We're getting refrozen. We're crossing 21 bridges and we're going to meet Harriet, Judy and Punch. I'm Van Connor. I'm Bex Perfect and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. So, Van Connor, I'm going to kick off today with a film that I'm not sure that they've got right. And I'm really? going to. Yeah. I've just heard a sneaky little rumour. And in fact, I heard this because its lead actor was being interviewed by Graham Norton uh, last week. Um, and I've heard this through, through secondary kind of information and, mm-hmm, and sources mm-hmm, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That the film team behind the movie this week of 21 Bridges yeah. weren't quite sure yeah. if Manhattan has 21 Bridges. <laughs> uh, does it? I have no idea. It's funny. So I, I saw it. Obviously, I went to... You've been to New York at some point, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I went for the very first time this year. Right. And having sat through 21 Bridges last night, I can tell you that it has a very strange relationship with the geography of NYC. Yeah. Uh, I don't I think can they, see that. I don't think they realise how long a city block is yeah. in, in Manhattan. But I mean, to but. shut off all the bridges... <laughs> is extreme in itself and that's exactly what Chadwick Boseman as the detective does in this particularly particularly strong police movie I have to say I really enjoyed this it's aggressive isn't it it's really aggressive so this is uh, Brian Kurt directing but of course the name on the poster is it's from the producers of Avengers Endgame yeah i.e. they've stuck their name to it (laughs) just to give it some kudos yeah Uh, and Chadwick Boseman of course is the Black Panther he is indeed and uh, and that and that's that you know it's on the poster as well it's something like you know he's the Avenger New York needs Oh my goodness. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Eye roll. Yeah, yeah, it's a a grown moment, that one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I nearly overlooked this movie, Mm. I have to say. I wasn't sure as to whether or not I wanted to review it, and I'm actually really glad that I did. Yeah. Um, It's it's kind of one of those police cop dramas that harks back to kind of the 1970s. It's got that kind of all-rounder feel to it. It's it's strong in every element. Its action sequences Mm. are great. The acting is great in this. The New York York accents are (laughs) great. great in this as well. So, so this is Chadwick Boseman is like a like an internal affairs detective kind of thing. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a legendary he's Andre. detective. Yeah. He's, he's ice cold and he takes his job way too he's seriously. Ray Davis. <laughs> and it literally opens with uh, this his, his father's funeral when he's a little boy. Yeah. And sort of instills he is the ultimate you know man for justice. He's also got some big yeah. shoes to fill because his dad was legendary. Legendary. Detective. Yeah. So he is called in when there's uh, like a, there's a, a, a drug deal a drug raid gone wrong. Yeah. So I'd like to say it's more like a robbery gone yeah. wrong in and, a way. And several cops are killed. Yeah. And it's a case of, you know, the boys in blue are out to avenge their own. Yeah. The only way to trap these these criminals is to shut off all the bridges and basically isolate them within Manhattan. Yeah, which is still quite a big place. Let's go. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, for what? Everything about these guys, save the speed camera, has been competent so far. Yeah, so? They'll set a coat, catch a train, catch a cab, jack a car, and we're right back there hoping we get a hit from a camera before they vanish, show up and... Pennsylvania. Good point. Where's the FBI? It's national. Cozy Island. What island? Manhattan. So, not only are they trapped within Manhattan, this all takes place, and I think this adds really well to the urgency and the energy of the film. This all happens over one night. So it's within about four hours, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sun barely comes up in this. (laughs) It's all all night shoots. (laughs) It's all night shoots, which have been terrible to film. (laughs) I bet they had a great time filming this. Um, For the most part, I thought this was pretty good. Yeah. It's a bit road, as in, you know, you could absolutely have made this uh, 25 years ago and it would have starred Denzel. You could have made it 20 years ago, it would have starred Wesley Snipes. You could have made it 15 years ago and it would have starred. Yeah. And it, it is 
it is it feels very much like training day it feels Mm. very much kind of along those those lines and you're right to kind of throw in denzel to this because yeah give him 20 years ago he would have been ideal for this part exactly but but do you know what i think a lot of people will know chadwick boseman purely for black panther Mm. and seeing him transform into this kind of gritty cop is a complete change for him and i think it works really well did you find it weird hearing him with an american accent again (laughs) because i kind of did yeah what's what's wrong with t'challa yeah (laughs) Yeah. but you know what also in this what i think Mm. works really well is that you've got the element of it not only being a great cop drama you're also learning a lot about the lives of the killers in this as well so it's as much their story as it is the police's story within this i think it might have been hannah flint who put out a tweet uh saying that there is a beyonce reference in in this movie that comes from sienna miller and it's it's unbelievable and when you you actually hear it in the actual film i'm not gonna spoil it for anyone but when you hear this specific lemonade reference coming out of the mouth of a brooklyn accented sienna miller it's just a it's a laugh out loud moment brilliant yeah but it's laugh out loud funny um so Sienna Miller is in this, yeah. and she's not bad, actually. Well, uh, kudos to Sienna Miller, right? Because mm. I think she's doing the really clever thing of not taking roles which are necessarily commercially huge, but they are most certainly giving her the credibility as an actress. Um, I think she actually does a really good New York accent in this. It's quite hard to maintain that accent, and she does it really well. She's pared down. Mm. She looks quite ragged in this. She's just She's a narcotics director who is essentially you know, working alongside Andre in this to solve this case. And it's not a buddy cop drama in not any at way. All, is straight. It? No. no, it just happens that the dynamic of it is that they have to work side by side. I was talking to Josh Rom after this film and because he was at the screening as well. And I, I was talking about I think com- comparison points and I went with uh virtuosity, strangely, was one right. of them that I went to because I had that feel of when Denzel did virtuosity, funnily enough, about 25, 30 years ago now. Russell Crowe was the villain in that. And I'm trying to remember what the other one was. It was Virtuosity, I said, and uh, Murder at 1600. Okay. I thought a lot of Murder at 1600 as well. Wesley Snipes solves the murder at the White House. Funnily enough, I think they're from the same year, those okay. two films. Uh, with both 96, 97. Yeah, it definitely... Mm. Uh, do you know what? I, I, I sort of say mm. uh, this hearts back to those kind of cop movies of yesteryear, but actually the 90s, our favourite decade. Oh, we, we love some 90s on this yeah, show. Yeah, but it's definitely got key elements from those yeah. kind of movies of that time. We'll shout out as well for some of the cast, some of the supporting cast. So Taylor Kitsch, who's usually terrible in everything, um, he's good. Uh, I think it's Stephen James from If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah. He's in there as well. Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Not seriously Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Uh, always amazing. Uh, uh, Keith David. Keith, the man, David. Yeah. Love me some Keith David, sir. And last but by no means least, Alexander Siddig as the uh, as the sort of uh, the, the, the money laundering guy. Yeah. Most of us know him as Dr. Bashir from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Um, he he kind of yeah. ups he kind of ups the um, the class level of this. He lives in the meatpacking district. He's, He's got his own little money laundering yeah, thing. Yeah. He walks around in a in a, in like a, a smoking jacket. Yeah, nice, nice silken. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you recommend it? I, I had a good time with it. It's got verve. It's got brains. It's got bullets. It's got Bozeman. Yes, you know, it's got all the bees. I would just say if you're a little bit iffy about gore take a step back take a consideration quite for this brutal. it is quite brutal mm. in this movie but as an all-round good police drama if that's what you grew up loving and you're wanting to see what the offerings are you know in this day and age you can't go wrong with 21 bridges so it's a good one and three quarters thumbs up from me one and three quarters yeah okay i'll go with, i'll go with a solid one and uh, oh i'll go with one and a half oh okay 
One and a half for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let me talk then really quickly about uh, Judy and Punch, which is out this week. I am so intrigued by this movie. I couldn't justify going to review it. But I want to hear more and I might catch it on the small screen when it comes out. Okay, so I'll give you the rundown really quickly. So this is set in a sort of fictionalised place called Seaside. Right. Which is, coincidentally enough, nowhere near the sea. (laughs) And it follows uh, Judy and Punch, who are puppeteers and a married couple. Punch has something of a drinking problem and issues with his own failure in life. Right. Um, He wants to be this renowned entertainer. He's not really. Um, Is Punch his first name? Do you know, I I don't know. I think he's just referred to as Punch and she's just referred to as Judy. Uh, they have a baby together. He has a drinking problem. Uh, whilst she is out one day, he accidentally kills said baby uh, by dropping it out the window. He then decides to cover this up by killing Judy. And, <laughs> yeah. However, have you just spoiled it? <laughs> no, this is about the first ten minutes. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. okay, All of this is shot as if it's Plunkett and McLean. Yeah. Which is Thrown wacky. in with a grim fairy tale. Yeah, exactly like that. Almost yeah. like Terry Gilliam-ish kind of quality okay. to it. Uh, it's from writer-director uh, Myra Fox, And the idea then becomes that Judy is not dead. She comes back, she joins a band of outcasts, and she goes out for revenge. And... What? It's insane. It is seriously. I mean, it's. I'm just going to say politely, it's messed up. Okay. It's politely messed up. Um, It stars uh, Mia Wasikowska as Judy. Yeah. Big fan of Mia Wasikowska. Yeah. Should be a household name. Every home in Britain should own Stoker on Blu-ray, if you ask me. But um, the real star, though, is uh, Damon Harriman as Punch. And who is Damon Harriman? Right. Couldn't figure this out for the whole movie until the, you see him briefly at the very end with yeah. longer hair and a beard. I'm like, oh my God, that's Charles Manson from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And that's what it is. It is not for everyone's taste. It is very off-kilter. It's Found, very sounds weird. Sounds very... You'd go and see this in a picture house or a Curzon cinema. Oh, you totally would. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, for my money, I, I came out liking it. A lot of people, I think, were a bit on the fence with it. It's a bit divisive. Uh, I would give it one thumb up. Okay. Just to, just to just sort of split, split down the middle. I'll give it one for my... But I did like it. It's a shame that you say that because I mm. think it's had quite a big marketing push. Yeah. I quite like things that are slightly avant-garde that will push you out there, um, you know, and just challenge the realms of filmmaking to some extent. But throw in a well-known name at the same time to kind of get the audiences in. Yeah. If it exceeded your expectations and was beyond a one thumbs up, I think I kind of mm. take the leap and go and watch it at the cinema. I mean, I say I liked it, but I'll go one thumbs up. I would say it would play well to the crowd that enjoyed Ray and Liz, okay. if you remember that. Yeah. Welcome back to Off Screen. In the second part of our movie roundup at the cinema, we are looking at the rootin' tootin' shootin' Harriet, who is out there. <laughs> That's a good description, actually. Yeah, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was. I came out of the screening calling this Robin Hood, Prince of Slaves. Okay. Because that's exactly how it played to me. Oh, dear Lord. But uh, I'm not sure how to take that, really, because... Uh, again, I don't think this has had enough of a push behind it for everyone to kind of... It's not got mm. enough big stars in it for you to kind of go, I need to go and see this. But it looks mm, like does, a compelling true story. doesn't have stars, but it does have a star-making turn. Right. So, uh, Cynthia, is it Erevo or Erevo? We need to, I we need think to it's Erevo. Erevo. So let's call her Erevo for yeah. argument's sake. And she's Harriet Tubman. And go figure, it took Hollywood this long to get round to let's do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Harriet Tubman. Okay. And fair play. So Harriet Tubman, for the uninitiated, was a slave who fled to freedom in Philadelphia and then joined the Underground Railroad where she would become the big figurehead. She would become the hero of the Underground Underground Railroad, freeing slaves and basically liberating her own family. Rescuing slaves requires skill and careful planning. 
It requires reading, Harriet. Can you read a sign or a map? Can you read it all? I put my attention on trying to hear God's voice more clearly. Do you know what would happen if you got caught? They would torture you until you pointed them right to this office. You got lucky, Harriet. And there's nothing more you can do. Don't you tell me what I can't do. I made it this far on my own. God was watching, but my feet was my own. Running, bleeding, climbing, nearly drowned. Nothing to eat for days and days, man. I made it. So don't you tell me what I can't do. I struggle a little bit with westerns. Um, they're not. It's not my favourite mm. genre. Um, would you call this a western? Well, would I? I don't know. It, it, it's ish. It has something of a western it, so vibe. I, yeah, mm. it looks from the poster like a western, which unfortunately I think it needs to be said if it's not, because. Mm. If people are like me that aren't really into westerns wouldn't necessarily rush to the cinema to go and watch this. I mean, it is because it's set... I think it's set just before the Civil War. Yeah. I, I think I'm not too sure yeah. on the history history of it. Um, I think it's set just before the Civil okay. War because there's a lot of talk about what the war will contribute to their cause. Yeah. Um, Cynthia Erivo is absolutely tremendous in it. Great. Um, I liked uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Joe Alwyn as the villain. Joe Alwyn yeah. from the favourite. Yeah. yeah. Um, gets to be that sort of drooling... Taylor Swift's, of, uh, Swift's other half. Well, this week... No, she's been with him for a while. <laughs> this month. <laughs> Look, I'm just putting a bit of pop culture in there, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. Well, if we've got to try occasion, we've got to be 20, 21st century just down occasion. down with the kids. Um, but there's a great cast in there that includes uh, people like Vondi Curtis-Hall, uh, actor I really like. Okay. You'll know from loads of great 90s movies, Clark Peters from mm-hmm. The Wire mm-hmm. is in there. Um, it, it's, it's got a hell of a cast. It is wonderfully shot. Uh, Cassie Lemons has crafted a pretty great movie here. I have one issue with it. I was ent- I was entertained end to end. It is a nice, tidy uh, two hours five minutes, which is a, kind of a, a good length for a sort of a, a, mm. a popcorn epic, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, what I will say is, I didn't need what I've been referring to as the God Vision BS. So I think I saw this. You did a little recap of it, and I think mm. you mentioned about this. I thought it was going to be the thing that I think from from the outset that I think we don't need. Yeah, the, the problem is I know that that is part of the legend of Harriet Tubman. Now, if you if you if you don't are aware of this, she had brain damage. Right. Right. She had an injury in her younger years that led to her having dizzy spells, hallucinations, things like that. And she would claim that God was telling her to do things. Now, for the purposes of the movie, the way they have framed this is she has. Dead Zone style visions. Wow. So as if she's Johnny Smith and there's that bop, 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 kind of slow motion jagged vision thing yeah. that Stephen King kind of came out with. It, it's played like that. Now, I have issues with that in the context of this story because is it me or does that not remove an awful lot of the agency of one of the most impressive women in American history? Mm. Which is kind of problematic. Yeah. 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 I mean, my issue with this this film is actually because I haven't seen it it's it's with the title just Harriet tells you nothing draws you in no way into this movie I have no I we don't know American history mm. as well as Americans would do the name Harriet does not mean anything to us Brits so why uh, would we go watch this I, I knew of Harriet Tubman largely because it had been a gag on 30 Rock years ago where Tracy okay. Morgan had made his own movie of Harriet Tubman in with which, him as with Harriet. him as Harriet Tubman, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I wanted this to be. It, it, it's it's a four star time. I had a four star time with it. I wanted it to be a five because I want everything to be a five. But you know, the, the film has a moment in it in which she chooses the name Harriet Tubman. It's her it's her freed name, as, yeah. as she calls it. When uh, slaves were freed, and they would make it to people on the Underground Railroad, yeah. as part of the documentation of their newfound freedom, they got to choose a new name. And there is a moment in which she chooses the name Harriet Tubman, and it's just... 
It's what Kermode refers to as a Karen Carpenter moment. Oh, God. Or, you know, or that bit in Bohemian Better Rhapsody. Better than a Charisma Carpenter moment. Yeah. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> I, I love me some Charisma Carpenter moments. She was my it girl in, like, 99. Oh, good Lord. Like, 99, 2000. All about Cordelia up in here. Anyway, no, that bit in Bohemian Rhapsody, when he leans over and he plays, the tink- he tinkles the keys to the actual bit song, Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. For the first time. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a Karen Carpenter moment. Okay. It's that we know this is going to be your iconic yeah. thing down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. Okay. Played a little cheesy. Would have liked it if they'd done it a little, little stealthier. But uh, on the whole, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, I'll give it two thumbs up. Even though I hate the God Vision stuff, and I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Two thumbs up because I love a Prince of Thieves. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. It, it, it never ages. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, we were talking about last week, weren't we, Prince yeah. of Thieves? Have we got time for a very quick sort of news flash question that I want to throw go at you? Go for it, go for it. Okay. Um, Joker. Oh, Huge God. success. Yeah. Now spawning a sequel. And a spin-off. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, we're getting, that. there's going to be another DC character getting the same treatment as well. Well, so. Todd Phillips is going to be working for a while, which is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to Freeze, the I Mr. Just, Freeze story. I just don't know how they're going to continue. It was left at such a brilliantly poignant mm. like moment. We all know the story of Joker and where he goes and how yeah. Batman falls into this. We didn't need it to carry on yeah, from this. You know, in the next movie, he'll go to the circus and accidentally kill Robin's parents. That's how it works. Uh, so let's move on then to the biggie of the week. Okay. The biggie. And we saw this together, didn't ah, we? Ah, it's tiny. Is it tiny? It's tiny. It's like a little snowman. Yeah. Tiny just, little... Yeah, um, if you yeah. want to build one. <laughs> <laughs> so Frozen 2. Refrozen. Defrosted. Whatever you want to call it. It's certainly going to thaw you out this weekend. <laughs> Ooh, chilly. Chilly. Yeah. Um, look, it, it, it is the one that everyone's going to be talking about, whether or not mm. you're 2 or 22 or 102. This is the film that you won't be able to get away from because you couldn't get away for many years, six in fact, yeah. of the previous Frozen film. So the gist this time is Elsa's powers are spiralling out of control again because she's hearing a voice in the distance that... She's also not very happy. No, she's not. No. She needs to build more snowmen. She needs to build more snowmen. Um, but basically she's being haunted by this sound from the distance, which yeah. sounds a lot like the choral... Uh, score from End of Days. Right. And uh, it leads to her power spiralling out of control. Arendelle is plunged into what seems to be a, a war with the elements. Yeah. So Earth, Wind, but Fire, But it was cetera. fine. We, so we open up and Arendelle's in a happy place. It was in a happy place and then it goes to a miserable destroyed yeah. place and they have to set off on a journey to uh, to track down the source of the noise, uh, control Elsa's powers and basically save Arendelle. Christoph, can I borrow your wagon and Sven? Mm-hmm. I'm not very comfortable with the idea of that. You are not going alone. Anna? No, I have my powers to protect me. You don't. Excuse me, I climbed the North Mountain, survived a frozen heart, and saved you from my ex-boyfriend, and I did it all without powers. So, you know, I'm coming. Me too. I'll drive. I'll bring the snacks! I will look after your people. Please make sure they stay out of the kingdom until we return. Of course. Let's let them know. Anna, I am worried for her. We have always feared Elsa's powers were too much for this world. Now we must pray they are enough. There's quite a lot to think about in Mm. this movie. There's quite a lot for... I mean, uh, with that kind of synopsis of it, there's a lot going on. And it's a you... Uh, So you're going to take some really young kids. But uh, do you know what? I think the benchmark for a good animated movie is the fact that if an adult can enjoy it just as much as a child, you're on to a winner. I always, Well, yeah, I always (laughs) put animated movies up against something like Zootropolis. I think it's Mm. really important to to have a benchmark movie that really works. One that's been created recently or relatively recently. Moana for me, strangely enough. Uh, 
I love Moana. I didn't get it as much. Yeah. I didn't love it so much. Um, Frozen 2, for me, works. Yeah. All, all elements of it works, apart from one. What's that? Uh, surprise. Surprise? You don't think it has any surprise? No, because I think... The, the beauty of Frozen mm. was that nobody saw it coming. That is very true. Um, I remember I was at a Disney event when they showed Let It Go for the first time. That yeah. was the only bit of the film they showed. And I just remember being absolutely just breathtaking by yeah. it. Um, this doesn't have anything anywhere near as good as Let It Go. In fact, I would say the songs across the board aren't as good as the first crop. They're definitely going for that big... That big winning, you know, original uh, original musical number uh, awards kind of fodder with mm. Into the Unknown. Well, I think this sounds a lot more Spotify friendly than the first movie's crop of songs. Oh, I don't know. Adina Menzel, her pipes are like hitting like the ceiling and then beyond. Good old Adele uh... Dazeem. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Travolta. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that song's great. I think they take the mick out of themselves, which I mm. loved in this. Olaf um, steals it all as well. Olaf is belly laughingly funny in this which is fantastic um christoph's uh, solo song in this is fantastic as well <laughs> very 80s as well 80s it? cheesy ballad music video yeah. it's played for laughs as it should be in a good animated uh, feature and you know you still have the powerhouses of Idina menzel and also Kristen bell yeah. leading the way it's solid it's got everything you want from it it just doesn't have that element of surprise but you can forgive it for that we're never going to get that back it can never compete with what Frozen did in the first place. I'm going with one and a half again. One and a half thumbs. Oh, I'm going one and three quarters. I loved Ooh. it. I, I would have given it four out of five stars. So, not a chilly reception from us. Absolutely not. And we're back, and this time we're taking it to the small screen. So, Bex, some movies on TV for the week. There are, some of which I think is going to be a first-time watch for me this week. <laughs> I think last week and the week before, there was loads of stuff. I was like, yeah, seen that. Years, albeit like 15 years ago. Mm. But this, I'm a little bit confused. Unless I've, I've seen it and I just don't remember the title of it. So we're going to kick off. Start of the week for us mm. is a Saturday. Um, and... On Five Spike at 4.20pm, we have a movie called Daylight. Right, this. I, I went to the pitch to see this with my dad when I was younger. I was about, oh, wow. I think I was about 13. Uh, this is Sylvester Stallone does a disaster movie. So you know the tunnel under the Hudson, Bur- uh, under Doesn't the Hudson River? Doesn't he always do a disaster movie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the tunnel under the Hudson River in right. New York. I think it connects uh, New York to New Jersey. Okay. Um, <clears throat> basically, it, it, it collapses. Yeah. Everyone is going to drown. Stallone is a paramedic who dives in to save the day. <laughs> oh, God, we're going Stallone on fine form as always. This was it was a quintessential 1996 disaster movie. It came out at Christmas as well. What you mean? It's not believable. Has <laughs> has very questionable effects. It's and got a very young Viggo Mortensen in it. Has it? It has. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Also, uh, one of the few acting appearances of the late Sage Stallone. 
as well, who was uh, Sylvester Stallone's real life son, also played Robert uh, Balboa in Rocky Five. Yeah. And uh, yeah, passed away a few years ago. But uh, he's one of the convicts in this. I quite like this movie. Every three or four years, I wind up catching it again. So I will. I'm, I'm overdue, so I will watch it. Okay. It, it is worth it. So Five Spike, four twenty Saturday afternoon. Perfect afternoon disaster movie. Sounds good. Mm. Moving on to Sunday, uh, we have a film which, if you haven't seen this film, who the hell are you? Exactly, right? <laughs> it's the ultimate kind of uh, buddy movie for, like, you know, groups of young kids. It's the one that we all sort of aspire to learn from and always lives quite strong in your heart. It's on Sony, uh, the Sony channel at nine o'clock on Sunday night. It's sat Stand By Me. Do, 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 do. <laughs> no one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. I mean, it's classic, isn't it? River yeah. Phoenix, yeah. Uh, uh, Wesley Crusher, yeah. Jerry O'Connell. I, I know his name's Will Wheaton, but nobody cares. He's Wesley Crusher. And, <laughs> uh, and who's the fourth one? Is uh, Oh, man, I can never remember. I know, I can't remember either. Oh, Corey Feldman? Oh, <laughs> I I don't just know. throw in one of those two Corys because of the time frame. Worth it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Adaptation of Stephen King's short story, the, uh, his novella The Body, I think, and, yeah. uh, which I very much enjoyed as a kid. I think the film's great. How awesome is Richard Dreyfuss's narration to this? Uh, there's just so much about this movie that I think, you know, it's making me go, do you know what? I'm going to block out my Sunday afternoon, although that's my birthday, so I'm going to stop <laughs> on Sunday at nine o'clock and be like, whatever what I had planned. Treat yourself. Yeah, I'm watching Stand By Me. It is the classic. It's uh, What year was it out? Do you remember? I think it was 86. Wow. It doesn't feel like that at all. It is ageless in a way. We've got to remember as well, uh, Wesley Crusher goes on to Next Generation after this. Mm. And that starts in 1987. And he's noticeably younger in this than he is in uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Mm, interesting. So. Interesting. Anyway, there we go. An absolute classic for you to end your mm. typical working week and weekend uh moving on to monday we've got the hundred foot journey on paramount at nine o'clock i can't help but think that this might be a documentary uh, it's not <laughs> this is uh, this is about chefs this is about catering <laughs> this is about this is about an, an asian uh, a young asian boy who wants to become a chef and tries to impress a snooty french chef as played by helen mirren this is flavor that is fighting against the chicken i added some spices for flavor sauce and coriander garnish and freshness. But why change a recipe that is 200 years old? Because, madam, maybe 200 years is, is long enough. Who doesn't love Helen Mirren? I actually met her when they were promoting this movie. When did this movie come out? Oh, it would be about 2014, 2000... About 2014, I think. Yeah, okay. But uh, not bad. Uh, Ompori's in it, and he's a delight, as he always is. Yes, Uh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Ompori? But I I really want to talk about Tuesday's film, because I'm so happy that this is I think you might have just dropped in the wrong... uh, This isn't the right kind of list, uh, (laughs) Van. I'm a bit concerned that you're doing an alternative show that's a little bit more naughty (laughs) than off-screen, and you've dropped in one of those those shows. Tuesday (laughs) Tuesday night, a comedy I adore. It's not a brilliant movie, but it's one of those comedies that just has so many great moments. Yeah. Not the least of which involves Seth Green playing the world's most sarcastic Amish man. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. He's the world's most sarcastic Amish man who's friends with Fallout Boy, who play themselves, and he's a dope mechanic. This sounds right up your street. What's it called? Sex Drive. But if you're on Rumspringer, what's with the buggy? Oh, no, no, I'm not. Not anymore. I probably shouldn't even be talking to you, but a little bit of an Amish flout law. <laughs> Sometimes I just miss the world. What do you miss the most? You know, I miss sarcasm. It's mostly lost on my people. Oh. And gambling. Mm. Went to Vegas once. And butt. I have a lot of nice memories there. So Clark Duke, Seth, uh, Seth Green, uh, Amanda Crew from Silicon Valley, and Fallout Boy are in this movie. Oh, and uh, what's his name? Cyclops, James Marsden? Oh, yeah. Yeah, him. So basically, the general gist is it's you know it's kind of like Euro Trip. Dude meets a girl online, wants to get his wants to go and lose his virginity. Borrows his brother's car. The friends go along for the ride. There's car trouble. It's like a plane, trains, and automobiles to lose your virginity kind of a movie. Right. But all about that Seth Green Amish. All about that. All about that. All about that. Not much else. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm a big fan of Amanda Crow in it. So. Okay. Well, there you go. That sounds like your type of movie. Oh, definitely, definitely not mine. But that is five star, eleven p.m. Tuesday. Absolutely want to go to sleep too. It's, it's a great time. Okay. Now moving on to middle of the week, we've got Wednesday, and it is oh god, Final Destination two. Um, these these roll into one for me. Well, the, the second one you will remember because this is the reason you don't drive behind trucks that have logs on them. Oh right, yeah, because they're always really apparent on the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You've never seen the meme when someone someone has one of those trucks like Final Destination taught me to avoid the hell out of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the uh, is this the one with the roller coasters? No, the no. roller coaster is the third one. Right, okay. Uh, also memorable for the fact that if you buy the DVD it has a choose your fate option so you can you can cho- choose alternate deaths for the characters. Like Bandersnatch, like Black Mirror. Uh, exactly like yeah. that but entirely encoded into the DVD. Cool, that's good. Um, five star, 10.20pm Final Destination, you either love it or you hate it, or you just can't watch it because like you don't want to... It's a movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is like a small movie. It's nothing overtly scary about it. It's just a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> but in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah. Now, Thursday, I have seen this movie. I'm struggling to remember it, though. Non-stop, Film for 6.55. Is this Liam Neeson? This is this is the Liam Neeson plane one. Yeah. Because, you know, he did a train one. He did yes. a plane. I think he's done a car. He's done a snow one. He's, he's done, done a snowplow. I enjoyed the snowplow. He's done a boat one because he did Battleship. Oh, good Lord. And, yeah. I mean, what is it with Liam Neeson modes of transportation? This is Liam Neeson on a plane trying to stop a terrorist. We'll escort you into a military airfield. You will not be arrested. No questions will be asked. There is a bomb on this plane. It isn't mine. It will go off. We have to... We're in command of a hijacked vessel. You will not dive that plane into civilian air I will. And Mark's goddammit, we will shoot you down. Someday, they'll fish this plane's black box out of the Atlantic Ocean. But the world will know these people could have been saved. The world already knows what's going on on that plane, Bill. You're hijacking. That's what you're telling them. No, 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 no. That's what your hostages are telling them. If anyone was going to do it, it's, <laughs> it's got to be someone with, like, a particular set of skills, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I remember going, walking out of this. This is... I was talking this morning on the radio about yeah. the films that you watch once, which are okay, yeah. but you're never going to watch it again. Yeah. And I think this falls into that. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. But you know what? It's a disposable Liam Neeson action. Oh, tell totally. I we forgot about the train. He did the train as well, did the commuter. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, they, it, they all blur into one, don't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're fl- afraid of flying, you're particularly <laughs> afraid of terrorists when flying. This probably isn't the right movie for you. Probably not, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, because he's like, isn't he like a... Um, 
a air flight, marshal? yeah, an air marshal, yeah. and then something kicks off on yeah, the flight. Yeah, something like that. It's like a, a, a terrorist threat over the phone or something. Yeah, like you can see us kind of clutching for <laughs> what the to hell. Remember. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, we watched it when it came out because we had to, mm. and we've promptly forgotten it. Uh, one that I do love, though. Okay. And this is our final one for the week. Oh, this God, is fr- Lord. Friday, and it's the first time we've ever recommended a movie on CITV. And this is at 4.30 in the afternoon on Friday next week. And it is one of my favourite movies of 2002. It's Scooby-Doo. Let me just remind you that that was a very low point in movies just generally around 2002. Do you know who wrote Scooby-Doo? I don't really care. James Gunn. What? James Gunn wrote Scooby-Doo. Really? That's absolutely true. Well, he's had an upgrade with Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Well, actually, if you watch Scooby-Doo now, you'll notice it's a lot sharper than it has any right to be. Okay. And it's a little bit more twisted. And then you realise it's James Gunn. You're like, okay, it makes total sense now. I'm a big fan of it. I think it's perfectly cast. What? Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr. is in this. Who plays Shaggy? Uh, Matthew Lillard. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Matthew yeah, Lillard, got it. Yeah. Shaggy. He is br- brilliantly cast. Uh, and Velma? Uh, Velma. Oh, Velma. Yes, <laughs> Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah. Oh, Linda Cardellini is Velma. So you're the one who brought us here. No. No, what brought you here was your insatiable appetite for a juicy mystery. The truth is, Mr. Mondavarius, Mystery Inc. is broken up. Oh, but that's the beauty of something broken. It can be fixed, and therein lies its potential. And I need you to fix Spooky Island. What's the problem exactly? I believe somebody is casting a spell on students. Actually, do you know what? For that period of time, that cast is perfect for this. It is. It is. And of course, you know, Freddie Prinze Jr.'s Fred is just astounding caster. Yeah. And the villain is Rowan Atkinson. Oh, perfect. Which is, uh, as Emile Mondavaris, uh, it's a great... Oh, Isla Fisher's in it, uh, Sugar Ray appear in it as themselves. Amazing. And the whole plot is Sugar Ray as in, every morning... Exactly that. They perform the song, Words to Me, because I fell in love with that that song based on this movie. Oh, I might might take... Eat my words and but, uh, check it out. Watch it. The sequel's garbage. Okay, fine. The sequel with Alicia Silverstone and Seth Green joining the cast is garbage. Who are they? In the sequel, they're new characters. Oh, okay. But uh, no, definitely check out the first one. I promise you, Scooby Doo is a better movie than you think it is. So if you, like me, have been schooled by Van Connor on what's on telly, you might be quickly moving over to any other platform you can possibly watch content on. So I'm talking DVDs, I'm talking Blu-rays, I'm talking video on demand. We got it all, and we've got two movies that are coming out next week that you guys can check out. We have... <laughs> this kind of moves on perfectly from Scooby-Doo. Kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. Horrible histories, rotten Romans. Did you see this one? When it no. You missed out. Did I? You really did. This was so much better than it had any right to be. I think uh, Johnny as well, uh, Johnny Hearn, our mutual friend, uh, reviewed it with me. And I think we did it. We reviewed it He's on this show together. He's tough to crack with stuff like this. He is. And he laughed his ass off. Okay. Orla, what have you done? Taking a Roman prisoner. All on my own. See? Told you I could do it. You're just going to have to take him back. What? I thought you'd be pleased. You can't keep a prisoner. It's hard work. You have to feed it. You have to exercise it. Who's going to clean up after him? I am here, you know. He's my prisoner. I found him and I want to keep him. Okay, fine. He'll get bored soon enough and then someone will have to get rid of him. There's no pleasing some people. 
I sat in the screening room. We were in the hospital club, which is now the H Club, sorry. Uh, we watched this, and it's a room full of, you know, stuffy 50-something critics, you know. And we were all laughing like gibbons. Wow. First of all, when you get Derek Jacobi to play the Roman emperor, yeah. and, he, and he starts dictating his will and says, I, Claudius... That destroys a room. That destroys a room there. And there. So the general gist is here. It is horrible histories. It's, you know, it's, it's your Mel Brooksian take yes. on the Brits versus the Romans. Um, I'm trying to remember. And you can probably imagine that when a Mel Brooks film, before Mel Brooks was known as Mel Brooks, came out and had to be reviewed, people were probably going into that going, what the hell am I wasting my time watching? And then were pleasantly surprised. So I think this has probably got the same kind of magic. Yeah, I can, I can, yeah, imagine that. But it's, it's got the, uh, it's got the all-star cast that yeah. you would expect of something like a Mel Brooks film, but adjusted for sort of British inflation. Yeah. So Nick Frost is in there, for instance. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Craig Roberts yeah. uh, from Submarine. Yeah. Uh, is the is he's the now is, a serious director? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he, uh, he's the the evil emperor, and Kate Nash is Boudicca. So Kate Nash. Kate Nash. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, loved her music career, mm-hmm. but she's now in like Glow and stuff like that. She's she like is, a bona fide. She is an actress now. But what they've done here is really clever. So they basically have her play Boudicca as Kate Nash. Brilliant. So she tours the UK. So when she's enlisting her army, she basically pitches up at a new point in the UK, does a like an arena tour, a musical arena tour, Brilliant. sings a song, and gains new followers. And this becomes how, how it works. It's Boudicca versus the Emperor. You've got Warwick Davis in there. Lee Mack is in there wow. as well. And he's really funny. Good. Like, Lee Mack gets genuine I pathos. I find Lee Mack funny anyway. And I will say, the person who steals this film for me, because he just gets my favourite, one well, of my favourite gag of the year, second after Toy Story 4, actually, uh, Warwick Davis. Really? He plays the uh, Colosseum kind of wrangler. He's, he's getting the gladiators ready and he tells them all, I want you to go out there and I want you to give it CX percent. <laughs> Which just... In fact, Johnny and I both just fell out of our chairs at that point. Just, I don't get it. 110. Oh, Roman numerals. I see. Yeah. Okay, apologies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kim, Kim, Kim Cattrall's in there. Sanjeev Baskin's in there. Alexander Armstrong. It's just a great time movie. Yeah. Um, it works for young kids. It works for parents as well. Can't wait for the nephew to get a few years older so that I can finally make good on all those horrible history books I've bought him because so of So hang on, what age range do you think? I think you could watch this as young as, say, five or six years old. Really? It's quite broad. Okay. Very broad, very broad, very slapstick. I'm going to get this for my niece mm. and nephew because I don't sit mm. down and watch stuff with them. Absolutely do. I can't bear it. Absolutely <laughs> do. It's a really good time and I think you'll enjoy it. And also, you'll just be the cool aunt. Yeah, so, well, know. I am already. <laughs> um, okay, so also out uh, as of Monday is Pavarotti. Now, this isn't as if Capadia, is it? <laughs> I don't think it is, no. No. Um, in fact, wasn't it Ron? I feel like it was Ron Howard somehow. Oh, okay. Was so this Ron is a Howard? documentary about the great... Luciano, Luciano Pavarotti, Pavarotti yeah. Um, and you, it is Ron Howard. Yeah. It is Ron Howard. Okay, so that's interesting. So I'd be interesting to talk because you went and saw this. We actually talked about this on the podcast when it first when it came was on out. Theatrical, yeah, yeah, when it was on theatrical. And I think I remember you saying you actually enjoyed it. But oh, it, I love the hell out yeah. of it. Yeah, mm. but was there a button there? Was there a you, you missed something? It was l- lacking something. Ah, let me give you the butt right now. You have to break your heart again and again and again to sing those songs. It really pisses me off and people miss that because these are well-known songs. What can you bring to them? The only thing you can bring to them is your entire life. A life that's been lived, the mistakes you've made, the hopes, the desires, that's all that stuff comes crashing into the performance. 
Yeah, the butt is Bono. Um, no, <laughs> nobody needs Bono in any documentary ever. I mean, you could literally do a U2 documentary and it wouldn't need Bono in it. Like, the world is better off without Bono. Okay. Um, uh, this is actually a really beautiful documentary. Yeah. Uh, a really nice, loving portrait of the man himself. Uh, I think it, it's not afraid to address some of the darker elements of him. He did right. have issues and the film doesn't shy away from them. And it's quite obvious that uh, that Ron Howard has something of a reverence for his subject matter. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by the image of Michael McIntyre above your head. Anyway, uh, I would recommend it. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's streaming. Uh, well, no, sorry. That is on DVD, <laughs> DVD, Blu-ray and video on demand. But we are moving on to streaming. And, you know, there's two movies that are out this week, which um, we have recently talked about. We've reviewed them in the last three weeks, both yeah, of these. Yeah. And in fact, last week we reviewed one of them. So the first one we reviewed, I think it was three weeks ago. Yeah. And the second one we reviewed last week. So if you managed to catch the first one at the cinema, mm. you know, all power to you because it was on limited release. It was astounding to see at the cinema. This actually was my pick for movies recently that I wouldn't watch again in a hurry. Really? So we're talking about The Irishman? Yes. Now, I will say this. This joins uh, Netflix on, it is Wednesday, Wednesday the 27th. I will say, I will watch it again because I want to see, I want to see this again anyway, but also I, I want to watch it at home. Oh, okay. I, I, I do want the ability to break this up because it does have natural chapters to it. Yeah, I mean, for me, three and a half hours is a lot to take in and it did fly by to some extent. I loved seeing that cast come together, mm. but I've got enough in my mind <laughs> to kind of go with for at least a decade. It's quite enough so, of that. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a little bit like that and I think it is an absolute masterpiece. I think it's, the problem I've got with it is that I think come awards season, it's going to be so over-talked about oh, yeah. that mm. I'm not going to want to watch this anymore. So my suggestion to you would be it's coming out on netflix next wednesday watch it take the time to do it now before the the hype from the general public sets in true very very true yeah the one that will not i mean i don't think the report is going to get that level of hype to be honest no no i mean you talked quite extensively about Mm. it last week it was a solid movie it's adam driver's movie it's um you know it's of interest but probably for a certain group of audience members again very curzon friendly yeah uh, it, i mean it actually is a curzon distributed film i think yeah uh, this is joining amazon prime on friday the 29th and the reason both of these films have been on theatrical and then to streaming so quickly is because you know they're, they're distributed by the streaming labels and in order to qualify for awards consideration they have to have a certain limited run yes in cinemas do. yeah uh which this is going to be the new normal now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not which you know what I I think you know you got to go with the changing habits of how we consume media now. I think if it gets I said this about Roma last year, mm. who would have actually gone to see Roma of the general project public but because it was on Netflix, because it was readily available, because of the awards hype, more people got to see a beautiful art house style film that they probably wouldn't have done before and maybe it gave a new appreciation for that type of movie i never think that's a bad thing what i do think it's a bad thing for is we're probably seeing the start of the end of actual cinematic experiences i think so i mean i think cinema is now just gonna be all about events yeah i think it's gonna be for films like gravity or yeah. Endgame, yeah or you know yeah. time in hollywood things that you're willing to put a price point on a high price point on because it's worth it for the experience so yeah so that is your your rundown of the streaming this week awards heavy stuff very very yeah yeah uh, next week interesting stuff as well next week yeah. and it feels like this has been coming for six months now because you saw Ni- it six months 
ago. Well, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, knives, right. knives out. Well, this has been this has been playing. Have you? Have you? Have I haven't it? seen it. I'm yeah. seeing it next week. You seeing it like um, Monday? Yeah. Uh, uh, this uh, I've heard a lot of hype about this. It's Daniel Craig. It's got an all star cast. Daniel Jamie Craig. Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Yeah. We got a bit of that in there. Uh, <laughs> Woman of My Dreams. Anna De Armas is yes, in this. She is uh, in this. There's Christopher lo- Plummer. Okay, Christopher Plummer. There's loads of people in there. So that's out next week. And then we've also got Charlie's These Angels. Angel. Come on. <laughs> yeah. An Elizabeth Banks film starring. Directing, written by, and possibly flopping by Elizabeth Blank. I'm saying nothing. Yeah. Well, make sure you guys tune in next week to hear what we find (laughs) out all about that because maybe it'll stop you from wasting your own money at the cinema. Who knows? We'll go in with an open mind. We promise. Cost like forty million to make. Like it's quite cheap. It's quite a conservatively budgeted film. But uh, anyway, I think we're burying the lead because the true star of Charlie's Angels, I think we all know, is Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh. Yeah, you had me. At, you had me at Sir Pat's too. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, I think we'll leave you to stew. We're on <laughs> the stew. They're the worst. <laughs> In the meanwhile, I've been Van Collar. I've been Vex Perfect. This has been Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies, and we'll play you out with a boom. <laughs> <laughs>